Well, welcome to Riverside Community Church, man. I am, uh, I'm always blessed when I have the opportunity to come up and to preach. And um, I hope that you guys are enjoying the Malachi series. You know, I had a chance when we found out we were originally doing the Malachi series. Man, I was excited because I felt like the book of Malachi, when I've read it in the past, it always convicted me. And it convicted me in so many ways because I see much of my walk and my Christian walk and my Christian maturity in the book of Malachi. And how specifically? Because, you know, a couple weeks ago, Brian sort of laid the foundation for the sermon and the sermon series when he said, God says, I have loved you. And the way that they responded was by saying, how have you loved us? Now, if you understand it from their perspective, Malachi takes place after the Israelites have now been carried off to Babylon. They've now come back, rebuilt the temple, rebuilt the wall, and they begin falling into some of the old patterns again and again and again. And you can imagine what God is saying is, I have loved you. And them saying, really? How have you loved us? We just got deported. We just came back. The temple is not what it once was. You've really loved us. And you know the interesting thing is I think so often in my own life and in my own walk, I've asked God the same question. Because you come to church on Sunday and you hear what the scripture says, I love you. And you're like, how? I just lost my job. I just lost a loved one. I'm dealing with this sickness in my life, God. I don't feel the love. I'm not experiencing the love. Please show me how have you loved us. Oftentimes, there's a disconnect between when God says he loves us and what we experience and what we feel for that moment. And I think sometimes what we have to do is is to look a little deeper what God says about his love, and we see tangible ways of where God loves us. You see, ultimately, the reason you look at Malachi is that people's hearts are hardened. Love is always a heart issue. It's always about a heart issue, and their hearts are hardened. What I want to do today is look at another example, and when we go through this scripture, always look at the scripture through the lens of where God says, I have loved you, and we look for tangible ways in which God has demonstrated and shown his love, and we're going to look at another example of that today, but before we do that, I want to, I want to ask you guys a question. So, Have you ever experienced a time in your life or a moment in your life where you entered into an agreement with somebody? You made, whether it's a verbal agreement, whether it was a written agreement, you entered into an agreement with someone. And when somebody doesn't fulfill their part of the agreement, it hurts. It hurts us. The question is, why does it hurt us? It hurts us because we've lost something. We've lost something when somebody doesn't fulfill their part of the agreement. But it also, in many ways, it costs us something, too. You know, we faithfully enter into that. And I want to share a story with you guys. And This goes back, and I was telling the first group, when I was uh, a famous actor in Hollywood, I had an opportunity to get into a... It was, like, it was being pitched as a miniseries for HBO. It was a local guy. He was like, I'm going to do this miniseries. I went to the audition... And he was like, I want to use you for one of the main roles. You can imagine how excited I was at this point. So, you know, we rehearsed, we were preparing, and we just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And so I eventually had an opportunity to sit down and talk to them. And they were like, we're just waiting on some funding to buy the actual film stock. 
that's one of the most expensive parts is the actual film itself to film everything. So he was like, so I was like, well, how much do you need? And he said, I need, I'm still waiting to get like $1,600, right? So in my head, I'm thinking like, I have a good idea. I have $1,600. I didn't have a lot of money, but I had $1,600, you see, because all I needed to do was pay $1,600 and then I could become famous, right? Which one of us wouldn't do that? And I know my wife right now is probably shaking her head because she's like, you're one of the cheapest people I know, and you're going to give somebody $1,600. But the agreement that we made was that I paid $1,600. I gave him $1,600, and he actually wrote up a contract and said, I'm going to pay you back 50% on top of that. So I'm going to pay you back $2,400. And I was like, this is a win-win situation. I'm going to get $2,400 back. I'm going to become famous. And now I can tell everybody about Jesus, right? Those are my plans. What do they say? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? So, did it. Month went by, month went by, month went by. We still hadn't shot yet. And then he died. He had a medical condition because he used to carry around an aspirator. And then he passed away. And I never saw that money. I never became famous either. And you know, during that time, most of my hurt and my pain was because I lost something. I lost money. I lost my opportunity at stardom and fame, right? It was all about me. Never once did I consider the fact that here is somebody who was suffering from an illness and had just passed away. You see, oftentimes when we enter an agreement, and it doesn't work out, we're very concerned about what, what it is to us and what it means to us. But what I want to look at today in this particular scripture is how God is serious about keeping, keeping our covenants with him because the covenants are about life and peace, fullness of life, living life the way that we were meant and created to live, and peace. Living life with peace. What my hope and prayer is today is that as we go through this scripture, even though it's addressed to priests, that you would see how this applies specifically to you in your life. And you would ask the question, God, what are you saying to me? Where do I fall short of this right here? We're going to be looking at Malachi 2 verses 1 through 9. Malachi 2, verses 1 through 9. Let's kick off, let's start off with some prayer, you guys, as we prepare our hearts and minds. So, Heavenly Father, we know, Lord, every time we sit down we open up your word, you have something important to say to us, God. And we, we ask that you would help prepare our hearts, help prepare our minds to hear from you today, Lord. We know that it's not just about hearing, God, but it's about doing. Help us, Lord, to do this in our life. Convict us of where we fall short. Help us to turn back to you, Lord, that you would help us to live this in our lives, Lord. We know that you have so many important things to say, Father. We, we thank you that you love us and you're speaking to us this morning, Lord. And we ask this and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to look at uh, Malachi 2, verses 1 through 9. I want to start off actually just looking at Malachi 2, verses 1 through 4. Let's take it into little little chunks and sort of walk through. So here it says, Malachi 2, 1 through 4 says this, and says, And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. 
Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. Man, man, those are some pretty harsh words. How did we get to this point right here? Remember last week as Brian was going through his sermon, one of the things he was talking about, one of the main themes from last week was about polluted offerings. The priest's job was to offer and sacrifice these offerings on behalf of the people. The people were called to bring their offerings to the priest. The priest then sacrificed the offerings on behalf of the people. But the problem was they were bringing their worst. They were bringing animals. They were called to bring animals that were unblemished. Perfect animals. Why? Because it was a foreshadow of Christ and his sinless life. And they were bringing animals that were lame. They were sick. They had blemishes. They were blind. They were going through their flocks and looking for the worst and giving the very worst to the priest. I tell you guys, love is always about the heart. And their hearts were not in it. What God is doing in this scripture right here, he's addressing it specifically to priests because he's saying, you are the ones that are my representatives. You are the ones that are the spiritual leaders. You're supposed to be teaching the people the law, and they're not doing it. And what he's doing right now through the prophet Malachi is he's saying the blame is actually on both. The blame is on the people because you're bringing your worst offerings. You're bringing the worst that you have. But you know the blame really falls on the priests because you're allowing them to do it, and you're not teaching them the correct way. You're not teaching them what the law says. You're allowing them to sin and get away with it. So the blame falls on both of them. And what God is saying to the prophet Malachi right now, he says, take it to heart. If you don't take it to heart, which is literally a turning around of repentance, then I will curse your, your blessings. If you don't honor my name, literally, if you don't show all and respect to me, to my laws, and you're not obedient to them, your blessings will be cursed. Well, what is he talking about? Blessings, spiritual blessings that the priests have been enjoying all this time. You see, the priest is a perpetual lineage of priests down through the ages, and they've been enjoying blessings. Why? Because they were the ones that were called, they were the ones that were empowered to lead worship. They were the ones that would go and present these offerings before God. They would pray on behalf of the people. They got to stay in the sanctuaries of the priestly cities. They were the ones that, as they would sacrifice these animals, they could actually take a portion of that and eat that themselves. They were living the good life. And he's saying, those blessings will be taken away from you. If you don't lay it to heart and change and give honor to my name. He says, this is the judgment that will be against you. Two things. Number one, I will rebuke your offspring. The priest, again, was a perpetual lineage. He's like, literally, the word, the Hebrew word is seed. Your seed will be cut off. This lineage of priests will be cut off. And the second thing he says is, and you're going to have dung spread on your faces. As I was going through this, I was telling Brian, I was like, now I know, why, now I know why you gave me this scripture right here. So I can talk about dung on people's faces. But what he's saying is, 
And what they used to do is when they would bring offerings, and if there was dung inside the animals that they brought the offerings, what they would do is they would cut that out, take it outside the camp, burn it, clean up, change, and then come back inside the camp. Because you can't have anything unclean in the camp. And what he's saying is the same dung that's in the bad offerings that you're bringing is going to be all over you, which means you will have to be removed from the camp. Your seed will be cut off and you will be removed from the camp. If you don't take it to heart and honor my name and honor the covenant. And he says, and when this happens, you're going to know it's from God. It's not from Malachi. This is from God. God says, I do this because I honor the covenant I made with Levi. Levi, one of the 12 tribes, one of the 12 sons of Jacob, of Israel. That's who this priestly lineage is through. He says, I made a covenant with him, and you're not honoring the covenant that I made with him. And you will know. You see, what's happening in these first four verses is the offerings were not their best. And the priests were allowing the people to bring poor offerings before him. And he's saying, why? Because you have no awe of me. You have no awe of my name and my commandments and who I am. You're not being obedient. And the representatives for God are reflecting poorly on him. The question is, how does that speak to us? I think Brian asked a question last week, and we asked the same question today. What about our offerings? How about what we offer to God in our own lives? Are we giving the best to God, or are we giving him our polluted offerings? Are we giving him the best in our lives? Are we obedient to his word? Are we living lives that point people to him? Or are we giving him our worst? Like I said, it always comes down to a heart issue. Our heart is either there or it's not. And he's speaking these words specifically to the priest and saying, ultimately, this falls on you. And now, in the next few verses, what we do is we look and we see what this covenant was really all about. In verse 5, my covenant with him, which is Levi, was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. And what he's basically saying right here is this is the judgment against you, but this is what the covenant was always all about. It was one of life and peace. And there's a connection between being obedient and experiencing life. And he says it's about life, fullness of life, true life that we were always meant to live, and peace. Peace with God and peace with others. And he says, you know, the Levites, they feared me. They were in awe of who I was, and they are no longer living this way. He says, you see, what you priests, what you are called to do is it's supposed to be about teaching. You're supposed to teach people the law. We have a fancy word that we use as pastors. We say it's called expositing scripture. It literally means I look at the word, I read it and say, what does it mean? 
What was the author's intent? How do I apply it to my life? And how do I teach other people? And they weren't doing that. They weren't doing that. You know, it always amazes me when we have um, discovery classes or when you sit down and you talk to people and they come from other churches and they always say, you know, one of the things I love about Riverside is you guys actually open up the Bible and teach it. Like, there's a novel idea. Would you be surprised how many places just don't do that? They don't open up the Word and teach people because in the Word, the Word is about Christ and Christ is life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to God. He's the truth about God. And he is life. And that's why we teach the word. So a priest's job is to teach the word and be faithful to the word. But he says, but the other thing too is to walk in peace and upright. You're to call to live righteously. That your life should be a reflection of Christ. Your life should be a reflection because if people should be able to look at you and see how you walk differently, right? Peace and uprightness. But the problem was they weren't teaching people and they weren't walking uprightly and they weren't turning people away from iniquity. They were turning people towards sin. You see, the job of the priesthood is what he says is you are to guard knowledge, which means you are to know the Word. You're to know the Word and you're to teach it and you're to live in a way that you turn people away from iniquity. Why? Because they've been placed as messengers and they speak on God's behalf. They don't speak what they think. They speak His Word. It's serious. You see, life and peace through the priest look like this. They go into the sanctuary, they serve, they speak the truth, they offer sacrifices, they pray on behalf of the people, and the worshipers would find life and peace through them. The worshipers, being obedient, they believe God, they take God at his word, they obey his word, which is where you find life, and they confess and bring their sacrifices, which is where they find peace. And the hearts of both of them are just hardened. Their hearts are not in it. Understand this. Ministry is about life and peace. It's about life and peace. We teach the Word of God and we live a lives that other people will see too. We're called to have a fear and an awe of God to read His Word, to obey His commandments. We do the same thing today. The question for you, is that your life? Are you guarding knowledge? Is the first time that you pick up the Bible when you come here on Sunday? Or do you read during the week because you want to know and understand His Word and what He's saying? Are you guarding knowledge? Are you living in a way that other people can look at your life and say there's something different about you? Or do you blend in with everybody else? That's what he's saying. You see, he's addressing this specifically to priests. But we can look at our own lives and say, yeah, I fall short. I don't, I'm not saying that everybody has to know the Bible by heart and know everything. 
But Lord, I'm in your word and I'm trying to understand. I'm going to reach out to somebody else who does and say, can you help explain this to me? Because I understand where I fall short. And the question is, what happens in this scripture when they don't do it? But more specifically, what happens in our lives when we don't do it? And we look at the last two verses right here that say this. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. And as much as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. What he's saying is you, instead of turning people away from their iniquity and turning them to him, you are turning people away because you're not teaching the law and you're not living righteously. You're allowing them to bring these corrupt gifts before the altar. You are not in awe of my name. And you know, as Jesus said himself, he said, better to tie a millstone around his neck and thrown in the sea than to cause one of these little ones to sin. They were teaching people to sin through their wrong teaching. And in fact, what he's saying right here also is you're showing partiality. You know why? Because you're favorable to some people and not to others. You're being partial to who you're teaching the word or not teaching the word. And he says, and because of that, you will be dishonored and brought low, which is pretty serious for somebody who was in a position as a priest back then. You will be brought low. You see, what God is saying in these verses right here, these first nine verses, ministry is about life and peace. The priests were the ones who were messengers who were to fulfill the Levite covenant, which is about life and peace. You are to teach people, you are to know the word, and you are to live in a way in which people see that and you turn people from iniquity. Ultimately, God's concern is for people. This covenant is about people. His compassion for people so that they would find life and peace through him. But the priest's actions represent and show exactly what they thought of him. Their heart wasn't in it. Their hearts just weren't in it. And you see God's anger in these verses right here because what God had, when God's anger happens, it's grieving him, what he's seeing right here. And I love this quote from Paul Miller. What he says is, good anger. Good anger is a response by the failure of compassion in people's lives. Oftentimes what we see is when God is angry, it's because there's a failure of compassion in people's lives. God is angry because they have no respect for him and no all of him and ultimately they're not fulfilling the covenant that he made because the covenant is about the people it's about showing them and giving them life and peace with him and his anger is fueled by his compassion for people you see what is really needed right here is we need a true priest we need a priest who fulfills this perfectly Someone who honors God's name, someone who's obedient to God in everything that he does, someone who fears God, who walks in uprightness, who teaches about the law and teaches the word and turns people from their iniquity. Someone whose very essence is about life and peace. You know, the interesting thing about the scripture right here, and we broke into three different sections 
when you look at what God is saying right here, He's telling them, here is the judgment. Here's what the covenant was about. And here's where you didn't do it. And I look back and I see the same sort of thing in the garden. He says to, to Adam, here's what will happen if you don't follow this. The covenant was all about Adam experiencing life and blessings and walking with God. And Adam failed and he sinned. And this was the judgment against him. You see, the Levite priests, they were appointed from among men. They were part, one of the tribes of Israel. They were appointed from among men. And what they would do is they would take one of those priests from among them and make that person the high priest. So once a year, the high priest would go into where the Ark of the Covenant was, the holiest of holies, and he would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. But you see, the problem was he himself was sinful. So he had to go take care of his own sin first and then stand before God and take care of the sins of the people too. And when you see that, you look and you say, you know what we need? We need a true high priest. We need somebody who was appointed from among men, somebody who was appointed from among us. We need somebody who could go in and offer a sacrifice on our behalf to God, and we needed somebody who could truly keep that Levite covenant fully. I love what the author of Hebrews writes, because as he writes, he describes Christ when he says this in Hebrews 2.17. He says, therefore, talking about Jesus, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. You see, it was Jesus, God's son, that became a man. He became our high priest, and he gave his own life as a sacrifice. Why? Because he honored God in all that he did. And then the author goes on later to say in, in Hebrews 4, 15, he says, For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You see, the wonderful thing about Jesus, Jesus came and was tempted just like us. Jesus experienced weakness just like us, yet he never sinned. It's Jesus through his experience of being tempted and through his weakness who learned how to become a better lover of us because now he can see and experience exactly what it is that we go through ourselves. Jesus truly is the best one to represent us before the Father because of what he did and he gave his life for us. You see, it's Jesus through his death and resurrection. And when you know him as your Lord and Savior, you now can experience what it means to have life and peace. Fullness of life through him and peace with God and peace with one another. That comes through Christ. Oh, and one more thing too. As far as showing partiality, yeah, there was no partiality in what Christ did. Because and yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for everyone. So when you look at the Scripture, you say, well, what does that mean for me? Well, number one, 
We don't need priests today to represent us before God. Christ is our high priest. And his death and resurrection, that's why when he died and when he was on the cross, the veil tore in two because it was the veil that separated the Ark of the Covenant from everybody else. It was torn in two so that we now have access to God directly. We don't need somebody to stand on our behalf and represent us before God. God, Christ gives us a direct access to God because he is our high priest. But the second thing is too, you can look at this scripture and say, you know what, I get it. He's talking about pastors. That's who he's really talking about right here, right? A priest then is like a pastor today. And I would say, man, you know what, you make that connection, it's great. It is talking about pastors because pastors should know the law, they should know the word, they should teach the word, and they should live righteously. But what he's saying really is it's for everyone. You see, Peter says himself in 1 Peter when he says, you see, he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. You see, Peter is saying is, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are part of a holy priesthood. He's speaking to every single one of us. So my question for you today is, do you know the Word? Are you learning the Word? Are you teaching other people? Because that's what it means to disciple. Disciple is a learner of Jesus. Are you teaching other people? Are you sharing the Word? And are you living in a way that people can look at you and say you are different than everyone else around you? So when Jesus gives a commandment and says, we are called to go and to disciple to all the nations, and to share the gospel, that's a responsibility for all of us. God is speaking to every single one of us. Is that your life? Does this define your life? You see, the covenant of life and peace is for our benefit. <laughs> and we break the covenant. And God's anger is because we don't, we're not in awe of his name. But his anger is because he has compassion for people so that they would turn from their iniquity and turn to him and find life and peace through him. And he says, lay it to heart. There's got to be a heart change. That's what we call repentance. And we turn to him. And we do this when we allow Christ to live his life in and through us. And we can help turn people away from their iniquity. So when God says, I have loved you, and we say, how have you loved us? We see right here. Because it's God who gave us his only son, and it's God's only Son who gave his life so that we may have life and peace. And what we're called to do as a royal priesthood is to live lives and to know the word and to tell people so that they may have life and peace too. That's his love and that's his compassion. Let's pray.